It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for film sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosi. It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever, yes. Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosi. Hello there, film lovers. Welcome to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocy, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y, at WFYI.org. I'm also on Facebook, also on Twitter, at Matthew Sosi. The show is available as a podcast. It's also available on iTunes. And we have a blog, which someday we'll update at, filmsociology.tumblr.com. Joan was going to be here, but work got in the way. There, I have issues with real work getting in the way of film sociology, but that's work business. <laughs> well, thank God I don't, I don't work for a living. And so. thank God you're here. So anyway, uh, this is the Barefoot edition of film sociology, and if you don't know the voice, well, you'll recognize this. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia, he's an English guy. He came to fight the Turkish. Okay, Clark, right there. That's what I'm talking about. Lawrence of Arabia doesn't have any lyrics to it. it doesn't have any words. What do you mean it doesn't have lyrics? It's music. To it? It's music. Hey, I've seen the movie four times. And there were no words to it. What do you? There talking? are no words to that. There are, hey, you, some, did you hear what I was saying earlier? Somewhere I know that somebody I think wrote lyrics to this song. Mike Perry's in the studio. How are you, Mike? I'm not going to take credit for it. I didn't write the lyrics. But you wish you did. You wish you could. But, you know, ever since the Hollywood Nights, I mean, you got to admit, yes, the song now has lyrics. <laughs> Thank you, Officer Lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, sometime during the year, it'll be there, there will be a time where work will get in the way or vacation will get in the way or I just don't see anything new and you'll hear our repeat epic chat about the Hollywood Nights <laughs> with Chris Alberfeld and of course Mike Perry. So that's this is the, the see it's I have filler and it's not just Tommy Wiseau anymore. So oh, cool. there there is that. All right. So good to have you here, Mike. Oh, thanks. Nice and, to be here. And we we are actually going to talk we will start about what's new in th- theaters even though I think both of us mentally are still on vacation. We did not go on vacation together. We can't afford. That's <laughs> there's no film sociology on the road, but we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. But um Really, the big film to open this week, and you saw it, and and honestly, I I, I was kind of skeptical about it, but but there's a new Bourne film. Who who asked for this besides Matt Damon and, and Paul Greengrass? I, I I think Comcast did. Uh, oh. they, they still want some 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 scratch because the Bourne legacy did okay, but not great. So they brought uh, Matt Damon back, and and it's pretty much the Bourne as you remember him. Uh, he's still. Kind of searching for the truth. He just still. He just doesn't know what the truth is. 
and and he's uh, he's kicking butt and taking names across several continents. Yeah, yep, yep. In fact, uh, the movie uh, this isn't really a spoiler because it's been the trailer, but the movie <laughs> starts out with him kind of you know fist fighting for a living, uh, you know, just taking yes. taking out competitors with one punch, you know, doing the the Tyson thing, and uh, uh, not not the real Tyson uh, thing, but of course you know. After he shows his face once, and, and uh, the, the bureau can scan it and, and recognize him, then the chase is on again. And I mean, the, the man just has no place to hide. And the, uh, Tommy Lee Jones is getting a check for this one as well. Yeah, and uh, uh, Julia Stiles, I, I believe, was the only other cast member from any of the other movies that are in this. Does she have more to do this time around? Uh, uh, that would be a spoiler. Oh wow! Okay, well, good for her for her for hanging in there after all these films. Uh, I know uh, Academy Award winner Alicia Vikander is in this yep. as well. Um, lots of lots of uh, intense keyboard banging action. I hear. Yes, yes. Uh, everything's done remotely now, and uh, you know they they can get a, a strike force in action in seconds just by hitting the uh, a key on on their console. And... If if you hear David Edelstein's review of this on Fresh Air, he starts with and I found it interesting. I hadn't really thought about it until he brought it up, but the fact is that in action films like this that uh if besides being able to uh you know physically defeat and kill anybody that crosses his path, Jason Bourne should also be commended for his multitasking yeah. in the fact of driving, shooting, and also knowing that there are cameras on him on every single place where no matter where he goes. But uh, this is probably the easiest movie uh, uh, Matt Damon has done in a while because he has next to no dialogue in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he very rarely says anything. He's being chased. He he fights. He 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 runs. But he you know he doesn't speak much. Okay, so this is his strong silent type thing. Yeah, and not rescued by the United States government or the global government for for all we know. Because there's that fun meme of all the money that's been used to rescue Matt Damon. <laughs> Um, now this is of course directed by Paul Greengrass. Now, I, just a just a refresher. I remember the first Born Identity, not the one with Richard Chamberlain, the one with Matt Damon, mm-hmm. and it was directed by Doug Liman. Yep. And then we had uh, the next two. And I should I should make a note. I like some of the films of Paul Greengrass. I think Bloody Sunday is amazing. I think United ninety three <laughs> was the best film of that year. But and and I know he's worked with Damon before, and I think Green Zone, and he's done some other films. But I hate to say it, and I sound like an old person, but I need Dramamine when I watch <laughs> Paul Greengrass films. And it sounds like a, a, an extra strength portion for this picture. The the, the chase scenes do not disappoint. Okay, uh, there is a a scene where uh, Vincent Castle is chasing Matt Damon down the streets of Vegas in a uh, in a in a SWAT. Uh, Tank, tank, oh, and, and just plowing well, cars only in Vegas, and, and and they end up crashing through the Riviera. So. <laughs> Wait a minute, the Riviera is still. By the way, for the record, it's still up. Yes, so, yes. Know, did he see Elliot Gould? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't see Elliot Gould, we did not, okay. but I, I I actually expected him to pick up the phone and try calling uh, Danny Ocean. Well, that's the route. Yeah, that, well, actually, that's the distraction. So Danny and the guys can take the money from Andy Garcia <laughs> and Al Pacino and keep moving. <laughs> Go big! If Paul Greengrass directed Ocean's Eleven, <laughs> Born's Fourteen, <laughs> nice. So, I mean, was it any fun for you? Oh, parts of it were, but it, like it really didn't advance the story much. Um, it it doesn't really wrap up anything at the end. Of course, these movies never do. Um, and uh, like I was uh, saying before we went on, 
you got poor Jeremy Renner over there in another storyline, and they never make a reference to him in this. Uh, apparently, that's one of those they're just going to let that. It's kind of like uh, Ice Cube and Triple X. I don't think he's going to be brought up by Vin Diesel later this year. I, I mean, hopefully, a, a few movies down the road. You they know, team up. <laughs> they team up at the old folks' home. And, yeah, we, we and like, finally take out Treadstone. Right, we like Jeremy Renner. I, I understand. You don't say no. I'm sure they paid him handsomely for, for that. and. You know, Matt was doing other things. I get it. It's yeah. it's tough being the George Lazenby of the Bourne series. But if you're going to do that, don't just leave the poor guy hanging. <laughs> I mean, he's out there floating around with Rachel Vice, uh, uh, and, and there are worse things to be doing. That is that way. is true. Well, I think I think for for I think Jeremy was too busy doing fights in an air, empty airport earlier this year. <laughs> there you go. So okay, well, ladies and gentlemen, that's that's out there. So I think Mike's giving it a big resounding meh. Yeah. So, um. I, so one of the perks on my vacation, and again, we'll, we'll we'll start bragging about our vacations a little bit, but uh, but my my wife and daughter got to see a musical that I really wasn't all that keyed up on, and it was we. I will say this: when you go on vacation, you have a wish list of stuff that you would like to do while on vacation, and hopefully you can do some of them. One of them was a, I got to see a film that open. It was opening weekend in New York. And now it's just opening here in Indianapolis because that's how it works. No, I did not see Ghostbusters in New York opening weekend. I saw Woody Allen's new film, Cafe Society, and saw it at an art house theater, the – oh, gosh, the um, Alexandria. I hope I'm saying that right. But uh, anyway, it was one of those eight-screen art house theaters. Three of them were devoted to Cafe Society. Also, the most expensive ticket I've ever purchased for a movie, 15 bucks. Wow. It's New York. Yeah. yeah. And and by the way, I, I always talk about in 1989, I paid $10 at the Fox Theater in Detroit to see Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> Worth every penny. So anyway, so yeah, 15 bucks. It's New York City. It was fine. I was okay with that. Actually, there was not a bad special. You got an iced coffee and two macaroons for seven fifty. One of the Sweet. better food choices I made in New York City, and my worst food choice in New York City was still better than Mike Pence's. <laughs> anyway, back to Cafe Society. Um, I'm sorry. It's one of the greatest culinary cities on the planet, and you went there. I don't care if you're <laughs> an airport or not. Uh, Cafe Society is Woody Allen's new film set in the 1930s in Hollywood. Uh, we have uh, Jesse Eisenberg, this the current uh, Woody doppelganger, mm-hmm. uh, especially after um, To Rome With Love and this one. And he goes, he, he's in New York, and he winds up going to California to seek his fortune and work for a uh, PR agent played by Steve Carell who, as I found out, replaced Bruce Willis early on in filming. Apparently, Bruce didn't care. Apparently, Woody didn't know that most of the time on a movie set, Bruce doesn't care. (laughs) So he brought in Steve Carell, who he had worked with before on uh, Melinda and Melinda. And uh, while he's trying to get his foot in the door in in Los Angeles, he winds up falling for Carell's secretary, played by Stacey Studeville's favorite, Kristen Stewart, Mm. who actually does some acting in this one. And uh, Really, Stacey? <laughs> I know she's going to come storming in here any minute when I when I when I defend Miss Stewart. Uh, but and uh, anyway, she's got a boyfriend. What he what Jesse Eisenberg doesn't know is that his bo- her boyfriend is his uncle, played by Steve Carell. So there is that. Is he his own grandpa? I'm what? not. No, this, and this isn't the Rolling Stones. It's not Bill Wyman. I don't know. But anyway, we'll move on with that. But uh, also, Blake Lively shows up. I will say one slight spoiler alert and. How good is it to be Jesse Eisenberg that you got to go back and forth between Kristen Stewart and Blake Lively in 1930s gear? <laughs> Sucks to be Jesse. It does suck to be Jesse. Um, so that's that's the gist of the story. Um, I'm a big Woody Allen fan because I'm old and white and male. Um, 
And this is kind of middle of the road Woody Allen. So, um, you know, he's done a lot worse. He's done a lot better. And like other Allen films, this does give me a little bit of flashbacks to one of his early. I think of immediately um, Hannah and her sisters as far as where the relationship among the three sisters are. And one of the things that is brought up in the story in the film is, can you love two people? And and then of course that's that's kind of a very open ended question. In what sense of the word? You can probably get an idea of what sense we mean in this film. Um, it looks great, of course. Uh, acting is solid. It's funny. Um, and, there, and and even at a very low level of just name dropping of of. Uh, you know, Steve Carell talking about Adolf Manju. <laughs> see, it's that. It's because I'm like, I'm old enough. I know who Adolf Manju is. Yeah. That's amusing. Um, Vittorio Storaro, the great cinematographer. I think it's his first time working with Woody. It looks great. Um, you know, it was. It's just. It's a trifle. And and most of Woody's films, uh, especially after uh, Midnight in Paris, which is probably the best looking trifle that's uh, he's made in a long, long time. Um, it's it's in that. It, it's a nice travelogue, I should say, like To Rome with Love. Like to a to a lesser degree, Blue Jasmine, um, you know, it's good people. Uh, Woody does the narration. Man, he sounds tired. He's he's <laughs> well, eighty. Wouldn't you be? I guess, but he's. Uh, I I think it might be ready for him to let other people. I mean, he does. I mean, it, and yes, there could be a lot worse. He could be trying to play Jesse Eisenberg's character. He isn't. He isn't even doing that in real life anymore. Um, we think. But um, anyway, he's able to find good doppelgangers, and, and Jesse's one of them. And anyway, anyway, I enjoyed it. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, is it worth 15 bucks? In New York it is. <laughs> it's probably worth, well, it's at least a fraction of that here in Indianapolis. That's right. I paid 12 bucks to see a Batman cartoon the other night. So You did? I did. For this show? Yes. Or just for your amusement? Well, for no, both. No, this was the bonus. This was the bonus. Okay. It just happened to be... Showing one of the one of the fathom events. So Batman, the the killing, the killing joke. joke. Uh, tell us about it. Well, it's based on a, on a uh, graphic novel back in the eighties, where the Joker uh, sets out to prove that one bad day can really turn you insane. And so he pr- proceeds to give Commissioner Gordon a very bad day. And uh, if you've read the graphic so novel, it's Commissioner Gordon and the tor- terrible, horrible, no good, very bad. Yes, uh, it, it's the it's DC Comics' first R-rated animated uh, uh, movie. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It comes out on on uh, on disc in a couple of weeks, but they had a special theater screening, so I, sure see I'm it going. on the big screen. Yeah. Sure. And uh, it the second half the, of the movie is very faithful to the graphic novel. Okay. The first half of it. Uh, takes a really unsettling left turn. It kind of sets up the relation between Batman and Batgirl. Okay. Uh, because Barbara Gordon, who is Batgirl, to those of you who remember Yvonne Craig. Uh, not Alicia Silverstone. Not Alicia Silverstone. Uh, is uh, is kind of caught up in the Joker's attempt to uh, drive her dad crazy. Okay, and so they they have a little prologue to set up the re- the relationship between uh, Batgirl and Batman. So, it, in theory, it matters more to you when the Joker does what he does to her. And I'm not going to spoil that for anybody. Uh, but uh, uh, the the animation is pretty good for DC. I mean, it, it it's it's still the good stuff. If you remember Batman the Animated Series, same team people. They even brought back Mark Hamill to do to voice the Joker. I was about to say that was going to be the next and, thing. And Kevin Conroy to to do Batman. Um, 
and uh, it, it, it is uh, one of the more graphic movies they've done. That said, I think the beginning of it, the, the setup, the prologue that they added to it, uh, as a longtime Batman fan, is just something that Batman would not do. It's a line he would not cross, um, in my opinion. Okay. And they, they have him cross it, and, uh, and, and it really serves no purpose. And offline we'll discuss because yeah, I, I, I don't want to spoil anything. Is, is but, this a bigger cinematic crime than Batman versus Superman? Oh man! <laughs> uh, no. Okay. No. But no. As far as what would Batman do or what he wouldn't do? Right. Okay. Uh, and I think they cross several lines in in, in Batman versus Superman. I'm I'm not cool with Batman branding people, <laughs> but in the world that they were creating, that was okay. something they felt they needed to do. This it, it it could have been handled differently and much better than the way they they handled it and. Uh, but if you like the graphic novel, you'll love the second half of this movie. Okay. Is uh, uh, again, we're, we're talking in generalities because we don't want to spoil it for some folks, but, uh, but I love I, I can ask Mike uh, Perry this question. Is there anything that happens in this worse than the kids in the school bus in Hobo with a Shotgun? No. Okay. <laughs> no. That, that, that's still our bar. <laughs> See, if you've ever seen Hobo with a Shotgun, which I had Mike – I talked Mike Perry into watching – um, there are certain lines that cannot be crossed, and that is the one. And I, I take full responsibility that Mike Perry got to witness this. So if I'm ever yeah. invited over for dinner with you in the marm, <laughs> you'll get to look. She will look at me. He's the one. He's the one. That's him. Those poor, poor, poor children. <laughs> yes, can't wait to get your emails, especially Hobo with a shotgun fan. So yes. anyway, so I, and and it seems like it's a decent setup for Suicide Squad, which opens it is. next week. It is uh, looking forward to that. That was the one film that was plastered all over uh, Times Square. I have no doubt. Yes, and uh, yes, I have read the really as if I had written the article on Margot Robbie in uh, in Esquire magazine. I didn't write it; <laughs> I just read it. Um, okay, a few notes, a few other things that are going on around the area. Over at the Tibbs Drive-In, and we, we always ask the question, do these films really need to be together? So we start with, of course, um, Jason Bourne, The Purge Election Year. Hmm. R-rated act. Well, no, uh, Jason Bourne's PG-13, and Purge is not. Um, action. So the, the kids may be asleep, but the kids really Hopefully. don't have any business seeing you know, born. Really? So. Yeah. And I don't anybody really has any business watching The Purge because we're watching it right. We're living it yeah. right now. Um, screen two, we have Star Trek Beyond and Lights Out. I can hear Kobe Slagle screaming no, no from a distance. Yeah. Yeah. PG, PG 13 thriller. So. Here in public broadcasting, especially when we're laying out pledge nights, we're really big about uh, churn versus flow. Right. You know, we, we want people. Normally, to flow from one show to another on Correct. our schedule, but in uh, in during pledge, we 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 churn. We want you to come uh, watch the show, maybe buy some merchandise, and then we move on to something completely different. Completely different. And th- th- so this would be the churn. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. This would Got be the it. churn. Got it. Uh, yeah, well, you get rid of the Star Trek audience, keep them there for, for the horror film. Okay, because I remember one, and I swear I'm not going to start getting in the shop, but there was, I think it was the night of the Beach Boys concert, and then we got into self-finance. So an example of, of that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention, also opening in theaters this weekend, uh, Bad Moms. 
<laughs> now the mom wants to see that, and I'll of probably go with she her. Does. Um, Joan was supposed to see that when we were. So there's uh, how many scenes of the three actresses walking in slow motion, partying in slow motion. Right. <laughs> yeah. I. Oh man, I was talking with somebody last week who was really interested in this. I. I of course am a person. Um, to to use a line from uh, Almost Famous, I'm not cool. I've never been cool. <laughs> so people seeing characters my age or worse, younger, complaining that they're no longer cool or relevant or hot anymore, right. I have no sympathy for you. I have no sympathy for This Is 40 or Bad Moms or Neighbors or, for lack of a better comparison, The Hangover Guys. And by the way, The Onion made a point of nice, co- nice raunchy comedy about uh, about female choices written by the guys who did The Hangover. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't need that. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, anyway, Bad Moms and Ghostbusters. The, it's two female things, so there's that. Uh, and then, of course, Screen 4, probably the best pairing, Secret Life of Pets and Ice Age Collision Course. Yep. Yep. PG animated movies. They're both there. So anyway, that is over at the Tibbs. Um, over at the Skyline Drive-In in Shelbyville, we have um, ooh, Ice Age Collision Course and Jason Bourne. <laughs> I, was, I was I was afraid you were going to say The Purge. There no, gosh, no, no, that, that that's silly. Now, then, of course, over at the Skyline, they will have a late late show, and uh, in this case, it's at one fifteen a.m. Depending on when you listen to this, already happened. Um, I, um, I and this is one of those things I have to be careful looking this up at work because <laughs> usually the one a.m. movies are some kind of grindhouse old school mm. drive-in that somebody somebody got like a thirty-five millimeter print of it and it's it's kind of off the charts. And this one is a is a film called Regina. It says it was released twenty thirteen. I don't believe the website. Starring uh, Jackie Gilro. Who, as I go through it, I'm like, have I seen some of Ms. Guru's work? Yes, I have. Um, we're gonna go back a little bit, and I think it's this is also one of those films that has several titles okay. because I'm looking on her IMDb page and I'm not seeing Regina, but I'm seeing her first film. God, I own this. I own this because it was like six bucks and it's on disc and it was bad. The 1970s ghetto drama "The Cross and the Switchblade." Oh, I've, I've, with Pat I remember Boone. that. Pat yes. Boone is a street yes. preacher. Yes, and a young Eric Estrada. I remember yeah. this because um, Pat Boone got a nomination in the Golden Turkey Awards as <laughs> worst performance by a man playing by an actor playing a priest or a nun. Uh, uh, he did not win that award. That, of course, went to Sister Mary Tyler Moore and uh. Change of Habit. But yeah, she was she was in that. She was in Sweet Sugar from 1972, um, the Sexcapades of Don Diego, and I, I don't <laughs> re- recommend looking up that. No, or, in no. fact, she's she goes under the name Robin Whiting for that film. So, yes. ah, so now we have a woman who has a professional film acting name and a grown up acting <laughs> name there because she's also as Robin Whiting in. Prison Girls, The Mermaid. Then she's back to Jackie in Extreme Close-Up. This is a hijack. Ah, Slaughter's Big Rip-Off, the Jim Brown mm-hmm. film with villain Ed McMahon. Dun, 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 dun. Um, she goes back Hi-yo. to she go, yes, she goes back to Robin for The Dirty Mind of Young Sally and Vice Squad Women. Um, so how many personalities does she I have? I don't know. And then uh, she's now Gene Gibson in The Beauties and the Beast from 1974. 
Video Vixens. Ah, an uncredited role in Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS. Don't look that up at work. <laughs> um, another alias in CB Hustlers and Drive-In Massacre from 1976. Summer Camp. Um, good gosh. Trick or Treats. So I really feel like I need to uh, know her better. You look it up at work. And yeah. so I was like, is there anything I can bring up? Ah, okay. From 1982, Tricks or Treats, which was one of the uh, horror films with David Carradine and Carrie Snodgrass. She was uh, she was Claudia Leith in 1985's To Live and Die in L.A. Oh. So there's a legit film. Um, Distortion, Distortions, Deadly Intent, the video game in 1988, and her last credit, The Hostage Game from 2010. Anyway, for no matter what you call it, um, Regina is happening at 1.15 a.m. at the Skyline Drive-In in Shelbyville. Thank you for making us look up this stuff. See, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, your, your actresses who go in two different film directions, your work here at Film Sociology. So there, there you go. All right, um, let's... <laughs> Let's move on quickly before that gets weird. Um, a couple of titles out on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, we mentioned uh, Ghostbusters earlier, which um, I'm happy to say I, I I finally showed the original to my daughter last week. Yeah, and uh, she enjoyed it. She enjoyed. It. In fact, um, right out the gate, Bill Murray. She's like, "That's me." <laughs> and I think it's the yeah the sarcastic uh, wise apple yeah. thing. But the first scene with him and Sigourney, she turns over and goes, "That's you." <laughs> and I said, "Hey, the um, it was a big deal of having if you were funny. Well, in the, of course, it helps that I I, I mentioned uh, Bill Murray in Ghostbusters and Tom Hanks in Bachelor Party. Those were two quote unquote cinematic role models because mm-hmm. we wanted to be that funny." That fast, and either wind up with Sigourney Weaver or Tony Katane. Yeah. So that's not much when you're 14 or 15. Um, Sigourney may have been the better choice in hindsight. I would say, yeah. I would say, in the long run, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Very good on that. So now, if Miss Weaver can be in a White Snake video, but for no one else's viewing, I'm sorry. Welcome to Pig Radio, <laughs> which, hosted by two guys. I took the, uh, the marm to see uh, uh, Ghostbusters without. Her having seen the original, really, really. Why would you do that? Uh, I'm, I'm just a cruel guy. And and how'd it go? <clears throat> well, uh, it, uh, she enjoyed the movie, so uh, but the, she had a lot of questions afterwards. So I'm going to have to go like, get the like movie William now. Atherton's nickname. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll have to uh, dig out the original. The the the, the smarter two thirds are interested. It's just a matter of actually getting together and trying to tr- check that out. But at the very least, because I'm pop culture Atticus Finch. I was like, you're not watching the remake until you watch the original. Dad has spoken. <laughs> and in this case, it actually works. So so that is out oh, there. Cool. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, speaking of which, uh, Melissa McCarthy's latest fall down, go boom project. Well, not Ghostbusters is now out on DVD and Blu-ray. The Boss, yeah. where she's playing uh, not Martha Stewart and has to live at home with or live with uh, Kristen Bell and and get into business for herself. That's not the Girl Scouts. So not the Girl Scouts. Not the, not so. the Girl Scouts. Anyway, that is out there. Um, also out is Criminal. Um, oh, yep. the Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner yeah. yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of there. It's, and if if Jason Bourne had actually had a plot, it well, might it might have been as good. as And about twenty years on him. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that is one. And not enough, not enough. Gail got it in that one either. Yeah. So that's always fun. Um, Hardcore Henry. 
still haven't seen it because I'm under I'm over the age of 19. Yeah, the the, the trailers seem very interesting to me because I, the, the the gimmick is everything from the single point right. of view. Okay, um, Barbershop, the next cut, and uh, yeah, no, and then I am Wrath, the John Travolta finally hopping onto the Liam Neeson aging uh, action star thing. <laughs> That's not there. However, the film I really, because I was, I was thinking about seeing Jason Bourne last night. I decided not to because there was a film that came out on DVD and Blu-ray. I missed it when it came out in theaters. I was really excited about seeing it and uh, actually sat down with the missus and watched this. And it's the film Sing Street. Mm-hmm. This is the third film from writer-director John Carney, who gave us Once and Begin Again. Oh, cool. And this is his third. I don't know if all of his films are going to incorporate music, but I'm really okay with that. Yeah. Um, this is set in Dublin, 1985. Yay! And pardon, yes, I'm going to say this is this is a tie-in to what we're eventually going to be talking about. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's basically a simple story of a boy who wants to impress a girl, so he forms a band. And he wants her to be the girl in the video, the, the probably pre Tony Katana. And, and how many of us have been there? How many of us have been there? So yeah, and it starts with uh, the the family. Of course, you have the older brother who's got the incredible cinematic record collection. I think that's something I'm, I, I probably John Cusack's in High Fidelity, the sister in Almost Famous, and this guy's got a pretty good one as well. Hmm. But uh, but times are tough between mom and dad. They got to tighten their belts. The marriage is not doing well, and they're taking the youngest son out of the private school into, of course, Irish Dickensian public school, ah! where you get an equal beating from the faculty as from the priest as well as the student body. One of those. Excellent. And of course, he sees a girl across the street who apparently is not in school for some reason, and he's falling for her. And he tells her he wants her to be in his video. Now he's got to form a band because this is what fifteen-year-old knuckleheads do, and that's of course the gist of the film. It is, and a couple things that that really uh, really hit home for me. One, he knows his way around music, uh, John Carney, yeah. uh, of course. Um, he's, and I'll get to the other two films in a second. Um, but but because it's set in 1985, there are scenes that are going to be very down to earth for us. There is a scene where the family is watching uh, MTV. It might have been for the first time. This was the 80s version of the parents watching Ed Sullivan with Elvis on or the Beatles, depending on which generation you are. And, of course, there's the scenes of dads wondering. The dad is wondering, if are they guys? Are they girls? Why are they wearing makeup? And, of course, the young lad is heavily influenced by. And this is the other thing about the songwriting that uh, – that John Carney has done is, and this is a kid, if you remember MTV, they, at one point, they needed to fill this airwaves with anything. So you could get Duran Duran one scene in one moment and George Thorogood in right. the other and then Billy Ocean, whatever. Ah, uh, the salad days of MTV. Yeah, exactly. The the true random days. And, uh, and so, of course, he comes in with, the, you know, frosted hair and really into culture, you know, really into Duran Duran. And he starts writing music that sounds like Duran Duran. And, then he starts writing stuff that sounds a lot like The Cure, and then he starts writing stuff that sounds a lot like there's a beat line that's very similar to Man Eater by Hall and Oates. <laughs> by the way, Hall and Oates was in town this week. I heard it was fun. Good for you. Um, but but as far as capturing the music and getting the band together, there's also going to be for uh, older film fans. You're going to get some flashbacks over the commitments, which I think is a mm-hmm. must watch. 
and is in a fun piece of stunt casting. Maria Doyle Kennedy plays the mom who was the brunette backup singer in the film The Commitments. <laughs> Still looking good, guys. Oh, yeah. um, I but, remember her from The Tudors. She did yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I know. I've looked at it. And that's what The Commitments is one of those films, except for Glenn Hassard. You're like, what else have these guys done? And then you go back and like, oh, yeah, she's yeah, she's yeah. been constantly working. Um, I hope I'm saying uh, Ferdia Walsh Pilo plays the, the boy. He's really good, as is the girl played by Lucy Boynton, who, you know, is older and seems set in her, I mean, uh, a worldly ways. She's got an older boyfriend, and as time goes on, we find out that she's more damaged goods than you uh, anticipate. But when you're a boy, and sometimes when you're a girl, you think you're the one that could change him or her. And there is that aspect to it, as well as, you know, stuff like the school dance, dealing with bullies, trying to get the music together and also shooting the video, the the, the video footage. You know, <laughs> you're you're trying to shoot in an alley and there's a dead car because it's Dublin in the 80s. Um, I mean, it really the small details really ring true. And then you have a very touching story of boy chasing girl. It's really, really fun. And, and of course, I say this to you, Mike Perry, because you were there. Now, I don't think you were running around these particular streets of Dublin. No. But um, it, I, think, I think it will resonate strongly with you. Cool. So I'll have to add that to the playlist. Yes, please do. Um, it's, if you're a big fan of music, no matter the genre, you know, even if you are our age and you remember the early days of MTV, you'll, you'll recognize these moments. I also posted last night that it was great because... I, we watched this instead of the DNC, and I caught flack for something I quoted in the film, even more so than what Hillary said in her speech. And there's a line in the film, and it's also used in the trailer. The older brother tells the younger brother, no woman can truly love a man who listens to Phil Collins. <laughs> man, people got angry on my page. And I finally had to say to somebody, I didn't yell at the movie. Don't yell at me. I didn't write this. It's kind of true, but don't you know, don't oh, yeah. yell at me. You know, and, and guys got defensive. Well, what about the drums in, in the air tonight? I'm like, that's different. I don't know. You're really taking this. It's a quote. My God. <laughs> Calm down. It's Friday, everybody. I, I just remember my my dear friend, uh, I will refer he, I refer to him as Dino, and I'll keep him there. But um, in my college journalism days, uh, in the late early '90s, I would, um, in my column, constantly bag on Journey. Oh, now why? Well, this was, I think, at the time a the the box set had come out, and I said it just goes to show that anybody can have a box set. And he would just leave me these. It's it's like the Eddie Murphy character who defends Stevie Wonder, <laughs> only with Journey. Uh, don't stop believing. Man. <laughs> oh, and by the way, that song is always referred to as the love theme from Monster. <laughs> <laughs> before Glee, sorry, before Glee, before the White Sox, uh, it's it's the love theme from Monster. Never forget that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it was that. Maybe we got to bag on Journey. So um, anyway, yeah, I bagged. I, I quote a bagging of Phil Collins, and uh, you know, my Facebook page exploded. So <laughs> anyway, because um, the the second, of course, like I said John Carney wrote and directed once, which I remember that year was my number two film of the year. Right behind Away With Her. And then, um, speaking of New York, um, I watched Begin Again recently uh, this past week. I Mm -hmm. wanted to show it to Lynn. And this is the one with Keira Knightley and Mark Ruffalo and Adam Levine. Uh, Ruffalo plays an A&R guy who basically uh, started a record label with Mo's Def. Not actual Mo's Def. 
character played by Mos Def. Right. And he gets fired, and there's a Jerry Maguire-esque moment, and he discovers Kira Knightley at a at an open mic. And it it's probably the cheesiest thing, the corniest thing um, John Carney has done, but it works. It does. But the scene where she's performing the song, and then he, the instruments that are just still behind her un- start to play magically in his imagination. <laughs> There is anything, there isn't anything quite corny like that. There is a video shoot that is very much like that in Sing Street. But because I've seen John's three films, I'm allowing it. There you go. It 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 is the right tone. I think if it went too far one way or too far another, you know, your eyes would fall out of your head. Um, but there's also but but uh, Begin Again has a lot of great footage it of does. these actors running around New York, recording in New York. I forgot James Corden oh, plays yeah. the sidekick. He almost steals the movie from everybody. Yeah, he plays a, a, a friend of Knightley's who is one of the technicians, and and it was because I think I saw that before Into the Woods. Yeah, and I was like, oh, it's that guy. It's that guy, and, um, and now he's on. He's singing in, in, and he's got a show in, in the front seat of his car with now. with the first lady and yeah. all sorts of powerful people. Anyway, it is it's a wonderful film and it's worth it's definitely worth checking out. And and I can't I, I now know who Adam Levine is because of this film. Between Lynn, Lynn even said, "Who is this guy again?" And I said, well, "It was voice." Well, well, we don't watch that. I don't watch it either. I, but I but, know uh, but it was, I was like, "No, oh, he's in Maroon 5. And then I said, "But I think he he might have been the first, if not." If he wasn't the first, he was one of the first to do the impression segment on Fallon. Okay. Where they would, you know, pick a song and then sing it like this person. And and he would do it. And he was he was really good. And <laughs> and uh, you know, not a big stretch. He plays the the you know, uh humble musician that turns in the vain rock star very fast. Yes. And uh and like, I it's, what, what was your name again, Kira? Right. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and and I hate to say it, but, you know, as much as I enjoy Sing Street, the Oscar-nominated song uh, "Lost Stars" has been stuck in my head for mm. the last couple of days. Both versions. So, <laughs> anyway, I would highly recommend if you stay, if you want to stay in, if it's too hot, um, I would highly recommend the John Carney triple feature yep. of "Once to Begin Again" and then "Sing Street." You could do a lot worse. So, perfect day, rainy day. Okay, um, a couple of old titles on uh, Blu-ray. I know that uh, you and I are familiar with one way or another. Criterion, um, I'm going to word this carefully. Last weekend, for those who like Criterion's half off at a particular bookstore that's still in existence. Moving on. But the Criterion <laughs> title this week, Terrence Malick's The New World. Oh, yes. Terrence Malick's version of Pocahontas. The first 10 minutes last for 10 hours. It's, uh, But it looks great. It does look With great. With Colin Farrell. If you're making a, a travelogue, it looks great. Colin Farrell and Christian Bale. And, uh, yeah, it probably could be shorter, but it looks great. So, And uh, Terrence Malick's films have a certain speed. They're slow. slow. But uh, I think they look cool. Um, for you fans of Svengoolie, and I believe, if I remember right, this was the last film to get a double feature treatment from Universal, The Boy Who Cried Werewolf. From 1973, okay. if I remember correctly. Um, Petey Wheatstraw, for you Rudy Ray Moore fans out there, if you need uh, The Devil's Son-in-Law on Blu-ray. And I thought this was already out on Blu-ray, but I, I it, uh, maybe it isn't. But now you, if you need it, Death Wish 2. Oh, I need it. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the, the Death Wish series, and yeah, I've seen all five of them. Don't judge. <laughs> 
Death I think Wish, I stopped after well, the second well, one. Well, Death Wish is one of those films. The first one, and, and that's it's extremely debatable, I mean, but it is the best of the lot. It is actually, you know, it's got the Rocky Syndrome. First one's pretty good. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I know some people can't believe uh, Charles Bronson as an architect. I went with it. You know, but the sequels are in such descending order, and they get cheaper and cheaper and more exploitive, and yeah. you know. But uh, but I remember the first film. I'm still waiting for the soundtrack by Herbie Hancock to come out, but that was Paramount. Death Wish Two was uh, Warner Brothers, and then the others were MGM and cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. So, so they couldn't even get a studio to, to do two of them. Exactly. So and of course, I think I have the soundtrack on cassette by Jimmy Page. And and three is just bat spit crazy, but yeah, two really it's a grungy, dirty, you know. Ma- I would say makes first Death Wish look like Lawrence of Arabia by comparison. I remember uh, Major League was the same way. The original was was a Paramount, but the second one was Warner Brothers. Yep. So it's just a familiar name. They're just going to run with it. Yep. Okay. Sit break. Um, <laughs> we're going to get to dead people we like because we don't have time for dead people we don't like, and then we're going to brag about our vacations. But um, also on Fresh Air this weekend, if you want to listen back, um, one of the great voices and interesting stories. And now, you know, really happy that she was able to get credit, even if it took a while. But singer Marnie Nixon uh, uh-huh. passed away this week. And uh, best known for in movie war, if you're in trivia, she, uh, of course, did the singing voice for Deborah Carr in The King and I, for Natalie Wood in West Side Story, and for Audrey Hepburn in My Fair Lady. Yep. And ones I didn't know, but she did. She dubbed some of the high notes for uh, Marilyn Monroe in Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend, mm-hmm. for a girl, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which I need to rent or buy. I, I, I have, actually. I bought it on Blu-ray. I just have not watched it yet. Yeah. And I forgot that there was singing in this because I'm always distracted by the opening scene, but she did the singing voice for Sophia Loren in Boy on a Dolphin. <laughs> You understand why I don't remember the singing yeah. and all that. So, but uh, but you know, had a career in and of its own cell in her, in her own right. Right. But, uh, but never man, saw her face. But you, never you know. saw her face. And man, there's if you hear the interview, if you if you don't have enough ammunition that uh, movie studio moguls are complete jerks, this this will help. Yeah. This will add to it. And then artist Jack Davis. Who's yeah. best known in our generation is he was one of the artists, one of the drawers for Mad Magazine, yep. and then I was like, you know, a very distinctive style, and I went through just a, a sampling of some of the movie posters he did. You'll recognize, including Bananas, Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye with uh, Elliot Gould as mm-hmm. uh, Philip Marlowe. That's two Gould references in one show, folks. Uh, of course, American. That's Graffiti. That's your quota for the year now. I probably shouldn't be. Uh, American Graffiti, uh, The Flim Flam yep. Man, The Bad News Bears, the original. Yep. It's a mad, 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 mad world. That's a great one, really. That's That might be his best because oh, yeah. that sums that film up quickly. Um, five on the black hand side, um, Bank Shot, and the two, not one, but two, Salt and Pepper films with okay. Peter Lawford and Sammy Davis Jr. Because one just wasn't enough. No, well, and Jerry Lewis directed the second one. Of course, my big gripe about those was one was too much salt, the other one was too much pepper. <laughs> and by the way, one guy was black and the other was white, and they were given the opposite names. Yeah. Huh? Late sixties. So anyway, big shout out to to artist Jack Davis. Thanks for the work there. All right. You went to Ireland. I did. For how long? We were there for eight days. My lovely Oof. wife took me for to Ireland for our anniversary. And a Way to go, of, Marm. And a couple of our uh, other couple friends. Uh, there were six of us mm-hmm. who uh, went, and we joined a, a tour group. 
led by the lovely Rosemary. Hi, Rosemary. Uh, She's listening on WFYI.org. She will be once I let her know we've done this. <laughs> so uh, I can get a discount the next time I head over? <laughs> so, you know, uh, we, so we were in a tour bus uh, the majority of the time driven by a great guy named Damien. Hi, Damien. Who, uh, who introduced us to, to some really nice Irish whiskeys while oh, we were there. Oh, boy. Here we there. go. But uh, it, it was a an action-packed week. I mean, we, we arrived in, in Dublin on a Saturday morning after flying all Friday night, Saturday morning. And we immediately went to uh, Trinity College to see that huge library they have and to see the Book of Kells. Yep. By the way, I love the show. It's carried by other stations out of Ireland. Yeah. Big shout-out to Patricia O'Reilly. Go on with your bad self, girl. <laughs> so, anyway. That uh, after spending about an hour in Dublin, we were whisked up to Northern Ireland and and uh, stayed at a nice seaside inn called Ballygally Castle Inn, and, mm-hmm. and you it was just a, a stunning view. You could see uh, Scotland on on the horizon. Okay, Sarah Palin, <laughs> I, I could see Scotland from my house. <laughs> now, uh, and then from there we we. Uh, uh, went to see the the Bushmills Distillery. Uh, you can't see what shirt I'm wearing because this is radio, but I'm wearing you. one of my Bushmills shirts. Of course. Uh, and we learned how they make that lovely stuff. And, uh-huh. and uh, it, it was just, it was a very moving experience. Tears did come to my eyes. And uh, But we we did Galway. We did Donegal. We went to uh, the, the Cliffs of Moher. It was, it was rainy every day but the day we went to see the Cliffs of Moher. Mm. And it is just stunning. If, if you've never seen pictures of it, look it up. I it is you, John Denver says you can you can talk to God and listen to the casual reply. <laughs> Has nothing. God's shouting at you from <laughs> here. It's not a casual reply. He's shouting at you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, the, the 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 group we were on was was great. Uh, uh, Irish Treasures Tours. There's your plug. Um, and uh, it, it was just, we were not ready to come back when it was time to come back. Of course. I, my head is still there now. I understand. And we we, we did uh, pretty much follow the the, the shoreline. We just ran, went around the island. Uh, saw lots of great exhibits, some very cool ruins. Um, but the scenery is just incredible, even on a stormy day with... With dark clouds, you know, on the horizon, it is still just majestic, and it just it just breathtaking. And the the people were lovely. We learned a lot more, more about the troubles during our time in, in Northern Ireland. We got sight of sure. a story we'd never heard before, mm-hmm. because you know when we were growing up, it was you know the evil IRA killing people, and and but you, you got to hear the other side of it. And, right. Uh, uh, and our tour guide there was just a wonderful. Man named uh, Ronan, who uh, the most unique perspective of, of the troubles in, in, in Ireland that you could ever get, because his his uh, dad was Irish, but his mom was Chinese, and he's a practicing Buddhist. Ooh. So he he really doesn't doesn't have a dog in the hunt mm-hmm. when it comes to you know, you know Catholic versus Protestant, North versus South, England versus Ireland. He, uh, other than you know that's where he grew up. But his perspective on that is 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 a very unique one, and uh, he's got some videos on YouTube. Uh, Ronan McNamara, so uh, you know, look him up there. Did Did you see Sarah Miles? <clears throat> no, but I did get her movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
we'll get that uh, in a second. After we visited the uh, Dingle uh, Peninsula where they shot Ryan's daughter, when I got home, I immediately ordered Ryan's daughter off of uh, Amazon and Michael Collins because I wanted to continue my history lesson. I, I wouldn't recommend those back to back. No. That's a long that's a long day. That's an intense day. Yes. But uh, uh, but I, I am looking forward to seeing them again, in, in some cases again. And uh, I would go back in a heartbeat. It was just the, the, uh, out, outside of the birth of my daughter and, and my, and my wedding to the marm, this was... Uh, it's in the top three, apparently. It, it, it is the, the, the best week of my life, was, was spending the week in Ireland. Excellent. And I, we hope to go back sometime, but... Uh, uh, if if we never do, at least I have that week. You'll and, always have Ireland, and uh, I I just can't say enough about it. I I have a friend uh, who who took a, who was also in Ireland and told me that uh, hi Will, and uh, on on his bus tour, one of the stops was the beach from Ryan's daughter, mm-hmm. and uh, apparently it, it is true that. Uh, while they were filming, this is of course David Lean's film *Ryan's Daughter* with right. Robert Mitchum and Sarah Miles and Christopher George, if I remember right, and Trevor Howard, uh, John Mills. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, apparently Mitchum was a folk hero. Of course, Mitchum bought rounds for everybody, yes. so that's that kind of you gain folk hero status when you do that. So and, and he grew some of his own crops. That's what I heard. So uh, you know, kudos to that. So yeah, I immediately. Because um, I know you went to Ireland for eight days. My family, we went to New York for a week. And uh, I have not been to New York in 40 years. Wow. The story on this was, you know, my dad, uh, my dad's a retired surgeon. But in 1975, they had new surgical techniques that they were introducing the surgeons. So my dad did a six-month residency in New York. And I remember going for a week with my mother to go visit him. And he stayed at the Hotel Alcott. On West 72nd Street. Why do I know this? Because my dad brings it up. But also, it is the Hotel Alcott, the front of it, is immortalized in the opening montage of Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver. It is one of the uh, spots that you see early on when Travis gets the job. No, Dad, I didn't get to go there. But um, wandering around, uh, our hotel was two blocks from the World Trade Center. So we were in Lower Manhattan and the Finance District. the other fun thing I remember, I remember going to a Chaplin movie, like a silent movie in an old dilapidated movie house. This was 1975, folks. And uh, different set of freaks on Times Square. <laughs> um, I tell the story. I was in a cab with my father in Times Square, and we were at a stoplight, and a woman came up and started knocking on the window. And I was like, who's that, Dad? Don't look, son. Keep looking straight. Just you know, Light's going to change. <laughs> yeah, it explains a lot, folks. I think I saw that woman's daughter in Times Square. Um, you know, we... <laughs> Or maybe her. Hell, I don't know. Um, different set of freaks. But, but yeah, we went up seeing a couple of shows. We saw um, Emma wanted to try to do the ham for ham thing on Wednesday. We didn't get it. But mm-hmm. as we call it, the Constellation Prize was a Fun Home and Something Rotten, which was fun. One other day we saw Fully Committed, Jesse Tyler Ferguson's one-man sure. show. And then Lynn and Emma saw Matilda, which they thought was kind of myth, the same time I saw uh, Cafe Society. So the fact that seeing a Woody Allen film in New York – on its opening weekend, also the same weekend as Ghostbusters opening, mm-hmm. um, you know that that meant a lot to me. Um, the the other fun thing was we we did walk around uh, NYU as well as Columbia, and it was one of those things. I didn't it, we didn't plan it; just happened. But we came upon Riverside Park, which is the park used twice in the Warriors. 
Cool. That's where Cyrus's big moment is. It's also the park where they have the fight with the Furies. Yes, they're, they shot all over the city. They use the same park twice. It's pretty cool. Nice. Um, yes, I saw the Stonewall Inn. I kissed the bricks. Um, we the, the best moment is that we, we're already talking about going back, but we want to stay in Brooklyn. Um, we were using hotel points and and uh, you know for the for the flight as well as the hotel and then uh, the other hotel chain that we wanted to look at was in Brooklyn, nice space and then we went two blocks over and there were blocks and blocks of streets that looks it looked like Woody and or Spike had shot in these same streets and it was quiet mm-hmm. and it was quaint. We walked the Brooklyn Bridge, which I really wanted to do because when I was there as a kid, I remember mom and I trying to go up the Statue of Liberty, and I think we made it to the elbow, and I was tired because I was five. So I needed to do something challenging, even if it's something as small as crossing the uh, Brooklyn Bridge on foot. So, um, so got to do that. That was that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I got home, and the very first two films I watched, I showed. Well, I watched Manhattan, mm-hmm. and then made Emma watch the opening scene from Manhattan because I think that is my favorite representation of New York in a film. And it's it's a there's a little Woody Allen voiceover as and it's shot in black and white, right. and it's a slew of footage all underscored by Rhapsody in Blue by Gershwin. Yeah. And I think that you know his his character says that's how he remembers Manhattan, and there is a certain part of that. Uh, the first night we were there, we uh, we were walking around in our little area, and the finance district's not very busy. Uh, you know, enough places to eat and drink that even if we didn't go to Manhattan or Times Square, I could just stay in this neighborhood for a week and I would be okay. But we did walk toward water. That's Mississippi's prerequisite, and uh, it was not the bench. In the poster, but it felt like it. It should have been. It should. It probably should have been. But yeah, there is that moment. It's the famous black and white photo of Keaton and Allen on the park bench yeah. at, at sunrise. That's the other thing. I'm not staying up all night. <laughs> um, but anyway, I showed Emma that, and and then when I was explaining the film, and of course Woody Allen's character is dating a 17 year old played by Marilyn Hemingway, and you know I was like, he's uh, his character is younger than you, Dad. And he's like, no, nah, I don't, I don't <laughs> see see folks diff- different generation. So. Right. Well, I, I guess he never grew out of that. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, so you yeah. know, you, you spent a week in your dream place. I spent a week in mine. Where's your head at now? Because I don't know about yours. Well, you, Ireland, I would say, Ireland, that's a, that's a trek. That is oh, really, really a trek. Um, you know, it took a couple of days. I think at the very least, I, we were, it was hot. It was really hot the week we were there. But at least we were hot and sweaty in a different city. Yeah. And, you know, a place I had not been to in 40 years. So I was able to get the full thing. I did watch the Warriors when I got back. And uh, and then, it, you know, as I said, I, we watched uh, Begin Again, which I thought was a, a nice balance of right. Manhattan and the Warriors. There there are certain places. There's like the um, when you go on vacation, you have a wish list of places you want to go, places you hope to see. I mean, we, and we didn't do everything. This was kind of it's kind of like Lynn and I when we talked about our honeymoon. We're not going to be able to cover everything. It's our honeymoon. We actually have time to do other things. Um, but there are certain things I wanted to do and I didn't get a chance to do. We all have that. Yeah. Um, but I know as we were coming back, and we had a we had a long layover in Newark, which did not help in the vacation. Right. I remember instead of I, you know you usually have that post vacation cool down, and we just kind of went home and went to sleep. And once I slept, that helped erase some of that ending. 
We were already talking about going just to Brooklyn. There is a there is a ticket window. They have these half price tickets in uh, for you know plays and musicals. There is a ticket office in Brooklyn, so we do, we don't have to really deal with uh, Times Square anymore, mm-hmm. which is fine. I did it. It was, you know, I I, I you could have seen uh, Joaquin Phoenix and her or whatever, but. Um, but no, I would I would love to just stay in Brooklyn for a week. This is a very interesting time to be in Ireland because what, right after we got there, they they did the Brexit vote. Yeah, how are they doing with that? Oh, uh, there were there were signs all over Dublin uh, calling for reunification. Wasn't it nice that you're you're visiting a place and they're not putting all the crap on you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Exactly. Did, uh, say, did you still get American questions? Oh yeah. What's wrong with your What's wrong with your election? Exactly. And, and uh, Don't look at us. People <laughs> over there are kind of borderline between amused and scared about well, what, so what's, what's going on over here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and with with the Brexit thing just happening, uh, there's a there's a lot of questions going on about the future of both Northern Ireland and Ireland. Sure. Um, Boy, you know what? That and if that if that's what it takes to get <laughs> Ireland, Northern Ireland together, the Brexit uh, and what, if what could happen here. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, you were talking about the the the, the heat in in uh, in New York. In Ireland, it was summertime. It was peak of their summer. Highs in the low sixties. You suck, man. You absolutely. We were, we were in jackets and throwing and paper at them. Now. We were in jackets the whole trip, and, and uh, I, I did get one of those little caps. So I yeah, can keep the, the rain did. off my head. Did you get the sweater? <coughs> I didn't, but my wife did. They're pricey, aren't they? Yes, they are. Damn, but okay. but they're they are lovely. But we I went bet. we went to a, a store that actually makes their own. So that was kind of cool. And I love the fact that I know, I have to say what, what 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 style is that? I just know them as the Irish sweaters. Yeah, the big bookie. Yes, yeah. 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 but okay. they're they're comfortable and very soft and. And uh, very nice. And uh, we, we spent a couple evenings in, in real Irish pubs, not the not the ones you. Oh man, I. I oh, what? Uh, go ahead. Go and, ahead. And one thing we discovered: the Guinness over there tastes much, much better, better than the Guinness here does. Uh, we did a week in Paris and a week in London on our honeymoon. And when we were in London, I walked into a pub in the middle of the day, and I asked for a Guinness. And the guy, I he was doing his job, and he asked me, "Cold or warm?" And I said, "No, warm." I, I will take it room temperature. I'm, I said I'm I'm new, but I'm not an idiot. And yeah, yeah you can taste the difference. Yeah, you totally but, can. But again, you know, it, it was it was the trip of my life, and I and I love my wife for for doing that for me for, go, for our uh, anniversary. And and, and, now, I, and you're I love gonna be the watching, folks. You're going to be watching Irish films for the yeah. next couple months. And you know, we went with our best friends, and and it, it was just a good time. And uh, I hope we get to go back soon. So we were, we we were. Um, Near our hotel, there were actually there was a really cool French bistro across the street, and then there was a nice French restaurant. That was that for the the little cool thing for me was being there on Bastille Day. Mm. There was a French restaurant that was just all up for a party, and it was fun, and you know got to experience that a little bit. Three doors down, there's an Irish pub that I walked past for several days and was intrigued by, and finally on this particular night, um, I oh I saw um, Toronto Cannon play at BB King's. Sky Point, thank you to Alligator Records for that. But uh, but I go down, and it's downstairs, and it's down in the cellar, and it's a bro bar. Uh, and it's so I'm like, yeah, this place I bet is crazy busy on March 17th with wall to wall dropkick Murphys. It was not, <laughs> you know, and I did this, this is the only time I did this on the vacation where I faked the call. 
Mm. You know, I'm the oldest one there by at least 15 years, if not 20. And I did the, oh, my phone's ringing. I, I got it. I got to go. <laughs> it was such a disappointment. So uh-huh. it's either, so that's another thing. Some, you know, sometime hit a, hit a authentic, as New York can be, Irish yeah. bar. So, well, ladies and gentlemen, we got a, we got about a minute left. So, yeah, you're going to see Ryan's daughter and Michael Collins, but not together. No. Um, we'll, we'll spread them out. I will probably watch Manhattan. Well, I watch Manhattan again. I probably will watch Taxi Driver again, and then I should watch a clean New York film. And I've um, got to go down, go down the hall now and talk to our uh, programming director, our, our vice president, Richard Miles, to make him put Bally Kiss Angel back on the <laughs> And or, those of you who watch the British Telly Club, you yeah. know what show I'm talking about. Or the John Sayles film, The Secret of Rowan and Nish. That's, oh. that, see? That's, oh, I've got that at home, too. I there you go. So anyway, that is out there. Um, yeah. So anyway, we have some words to live by. I can't find it. So Soil and Green is people. <laughs> Zardoz is spoken. Way to phone it Mike in, Mike Perry. Shut up, man. <laughs> Mike Perry, thanks for hanging out. Thank I can't you. wait for the rest of your brain to get back from Ireland. Oh, so it's, it, it's going to be a slow trip, man. I totally understand. Joan, we hope to see you soon. Go see a good movie. You deserve it. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. Good afternoon, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, California. Good afternoon, Michigan. Good afternoon, Lower Manhattan. And good afternoon, Dublin. Now, what do I do with my shoes? <laughs>